We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. Woo-wee! Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much for locking in, whether you're listening to this in audio podcast form, whether it's Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, hopefully sometime early Monday or on the video side, which if you're watching this on video, quite possibly you're watching this live just moments after the Buffalo Bills win the AFC East for a fourth straight year, 21-14 over the Miami Dolphins. They lock up the number two seed in the AFC, and they will face the Pittsburgh Steelers in Orchard Park this coming Sunday at 1 o'clock. This is not going to be a long episode. I will have a much more comprehensive, well-thought-out episode uh, live tomorrow. Tomorrow being Monday night when my man Toe Potts is going to be in studio with me. We'll break down a lot of the details, finer details anyway that I don't get to as I kind of run down uh, tonight's game. This is more about live instant reactions here in the moments. And when I say that, I mean quite literally because this game just ended maybe 15, uh, 20 minutes ago. Let's start here. I remember, I'm being a little bit reflective here, going back to the Philadelphia game. And I watched it with with my wife and, and my son and his girlfriend uh, my man, Tom Pucks, and a good buddy of mine, Jason, who was visiting in from California. And the way that game had ended, when Philly came out and kicked a 59-yard field goal in the rain, which at that time, usually a 59-yard field goal is not a lock. It felt like it was a lock. And then the Bills get the ball in overtime. They settle for a field goal. And at that moment, you kind of felt like that game was over for the Bills. And sure enough, it was. Jalen Hurts brings the Eagles offense right down the field, runs it in on a quarterback sneak for a touchdown. The Bills lose that game and going into a bye week, they're six and six. And suddenly the talk went from preseason talk all offseason into the preseason into early in the regular season of the Bills winning the AFC East, contending for the top seed in the conference. It went from that to this is a football team that's going to be 
really damn lucky to even make the playoffs because that's what it felt like after the Philly game when they were six and six. At the very least, they felt buried in the AFC East. It was Miami's division for sure. So the Bills going to the bye week. And then during that bye week, Vaughn Miller gets arrested. And later on, coming off the bye week, uh, Tyler Dunn drops a series on Sean McDermott. And it makes national news. Sean McDermott had to, uh, during his press conference, address comments that he made a handful of years ago. Just to know, I don't want to get into the details of it now because it's not that part's not important. But my point is, this was just a team reel, and they're six and six. Their star defensive end, who's done nothing all season, including tonight, by the way. The, the the article that drops the bombshell article, it just this team felt like toast. They felt like toast, but they came out of the bye and quite literally did nothing but win. Five straight games. Five weeks later, we are sitting here in the Buffalo Bills our AFC champions again, AFC East champions again, and the number two seed in the playoffs, which by the way, that is big too. And I don't like to disrespect any team, especially if you're good enough to make the playoffs, you're good enough to win in the playoffs, but playing the Pittsburgh Steelers in Orchard Park is mighty different than having to go to Miami again or having to go to Arrowhead and playing the Chiefs in the playoffs. And I don't give a shit how bad the Kansas City Chiefs have been this year. You never know. This is a battle-tested team with a a Super Bowl, two-time Super Bowl champion quarterback, a legend, and you don't want to have to play them in the playoffs. And if you do, it's going to be in Orchard Park because the Buffalo Bills uh, win the game. As far as tonight, before all else, before anything else, and I apologize for, for people who are watching this live on the video side, I'll try to get to a couple of comments, but again, this is just being thrown together. And sometimes when I do these live shows, I have Tone Pucks with me. And when he's talking, I can kind of navigate through the comments. I really don't have that opportunity uh, to do that right now. But this is important to me. Before all else, when it comes to this specific football game, a seven-point win in Miami, I got to show love. And I hope everybody in Bills Mafia is showing love right now to Deontay Hardy. Because I'll tell you what, he was a priority free agent offseason signing for Brandon Bean. And for a, a lack of a better term, this is a guy who just didn't work out during the season. This, this guy hasn't really done shit. He had a couple plays, splash plays on offense, but that aside, he's barely even getting any reps. He's done nothing on special teams. The Buffalo Bills special teams has pretty much been a disaster all season long. So this guy has taken a beating, a big beating from fans, from media too, from content creators to some extent, just like myself. But anyway, Deontay Hardy, we need to start here because he swung that game for the Buffalo Bills. He swung the season here for the Buffalo Bills in one play. He takes a punt at his own, what, four? But make, makes one guy miss. Good blocks by Puna Ford. And yes, I did say Puna Ford. And Quinton Morris. And Doran Williams got a body on somebody. Bam, to the house. To the house. A 96-yard punt return. One minute and eight seconds into the fourth quarter and the Buffalo Bills offense who just continued to shoot themselves in the foot time and time and time again all night who could not catch up to the Miami Dolphins up 14-7 at the time. Deontay Hardy takes a punt, brings it back for a franchise record 96-yard punt return and it's 14-14 with essentially an entire quarter to go. 
he swung the momentum. He swung the game for the Bills. Uh, Miami's offense, especially, was shell-shocked after that. You could see it on the bench. You could see McDaniel. They cut away the shots of, of Tua, some other guys on the bench. Miami couldn't believe what was happening. And bam, just like that, a, a game that felt like prior to that, it kind of felt like the way the offense was just shooting themselves in the foot. It felt like it was a matter of time to Miami would put one or two offensive drives together in the second half and just put the Bills away, put them out of their misery. It kind of felt like that kind of game. Like the Bills had exhausted all offensive opportunities to score because they just kept turning the ball over. Foolishly, too. But anyway, that play, to me, more than anything else, swung this game and swung this season for the Buffalo Bills. So I got to start with Deontay Hardy, man. He deserves a ton of credit. It's been a tough season for him. It's caught a lot of shit because he hasn't done a lot of shit on the field. But when this team needed him most, he stepped up. He stepped up. And for me, this game, above all else, is about two things. And I'm kind of collecting my thoughts here on the run, by the way. But for me, this game tonight is about two things. Number one, guys stepping up. We just talked about Deontay Hardy. Um, Dane Jackson had to come into the game. Rasul Douglas injured his knee in the first half. And Dane Jackson... Got beat on a couple plays. He had a bad pass interference call, but you know what? Who gives a shit? Because at the end of the day, Dane Jackson, not once, but two consecutive drives in the second half on third down plays, broke up plays, or one, he had a tackle to, to stop the Miami guy from getting a first down, forced a punt, and then he had a beautiful third down pass breakup. So not once, but twice in a row, Dane Jackson was responsible for ending Miami offensive drives. He stepped up. Bale Inspector stepped up. Tyrell Dotson hurt his shoulder in the first half and didn't come back, didn't return to the game. Balen Spector, who I think they said he played seven snaps for the season going into this game, he had a couple nice run stops. He looked really good out there. The Bills' defense with him in the lineup, despite the fact that he's barely even played this year, didn't miss a beat. Balen Spector stepped up. And then last but not least, Dawson Knox stepped up. That was a big touchdown, obviously. That the Bills desperately needed the go-ahead touch on the, the ultimate game-winning touchdown to Dawson Knox, which by the way, I don't have time to play this, but you could bet your ass on this podcast multiple times over the next few days. I ain't playing that clip from last week. If you listen to this show regularly, you follow me on Twitter, you already know my bold prediction. I did a prediction show with Anthony Marino of uh Buffalo Rumblings last week. And my bold prediction for the game was Dawson Knox was going to be a factor. Dawson Knox was going to score a touchdown. I doubled down on my live show at Imperial Pizza with uh, Matt Perino last Friday. And sure enough, Dawson Knox scores not only a touchdown, but a game-winning touchdown. I'll take my victory lap throughout this week. But for right now, in this moment, I just want to stick to talking about these guys that stepped up. So yeah, man, Deontay Hardy steps up. Dane Jackson steps up. Balen Spector steps up. Dawson Knox steps up. And one other guy, Trent Shurfield, steps up huge. Gabe Davis hurts his knee in the first half. By the way, him and Josh, just for whatever reason, don't seem to be on the same page. But Trent Sherfield scored the Bills' first touchdown, a deflected pass inside the five. He had the wherewithal to look to the ground, see where his feet were, and then make the catch. That was a spectacular play by Trent Sherfield. So again, guys who haven't really done shit this season were largely responsible for the Bills winning this uh, division winner-take-all game tonight. And then, of course, the other thing too. So you know, guys stepping up, but. At the end of the day, look, all season long, you, I, all of us 
It's always about the offense. We always talk offense. During this show, during every show you watch that's Bills related, it's always about Josh Allen. It's about Joe Brady or Ken Dorsey or James Cook or Stephon Diggs, whatever. They always dominate the talk, dominate the headlines. And then the defense kind of, we usually spend the second and a half of shows talking about it like it's some kind of afterthought. Well, I'll tell you what, this defense, of course, this Buffalo Bills defense is the reason why they're the AFC champions right now. A, a spectacular, and I know Miami was short, a couple guys, a couple weapons on offense. Who gives a shit? This defense tonight on the road in a game that was in terms of divisional, um, winning the division in terms of getting a two seed in terms of the road going to Orchard Park for at least potentially the next two weeks. It wasn't the offense. We'll, take, we'll get there in a minute. It was the defense. This Buffalo Bills defense, pardon my French, I, I put this on Facebook at the, in the moment, was fucking incredible tonight. This Buffalo Bills defense was incredible. You look at the first half of all the turnovers the Bills had, the points they left on the field, this game could have got away from them quick. And Miami did score two touchdowns in the first half. But on the first two series of the Bills started the game, Christian Benford with an interception on the very first series of the game should have set the tone. In a way, defensively, it definitely set the tone for the game. Then they got another stop, then Miami scored uh, two touchdowns. But the Bills' defense in the second half was lights out. Literally, lights out. I mean, they quite literally shut the Miami Dolphins out at Hard Rock Stadium for an entire half. An entire half. These are the results of the Miami Dolphins' um, offensive series in the second half. Five of them. Force punt. Force punt. Force punt. Force punt. Interception. Which, by the way, how do I not mention him, man? You know, I just spent five, ten minutes talking about guys who stepped up. And I apologize because this is on the fly. Like I said, Taylor Rapp. Taylor Rapp. A guy who's been kind of a, a punching bag a little bit for this defense. Another free agent signing who just, quite frankly, hasn't had a great year. But he stepped up with the biggest play defensively of the season for the Buffalo Bills. Taylor Rapp's the guy who put this on ice. Just an incredible effort uh, by the defense. And, you know, I go back to the offense, too. And that Denver game. That Denver game, you know, they fired Ken Dorsey after that game. And I'm glad now, of course, not at the time, but things played out the way they did because every th things could not have worked out better for the Bills. They weren't going to get the number one seed. That was Baltimore all the way. But when they lost that Denver game, I spent the rest of the season, quite literally, from that Denver game up until the end of this Miami game tonight, telling myself over and over and over and over again, that that's the nail. That's the that's the loss that's going to cost them. Either it's going to cost them the division, or it's going to cost them a wild card spot at the very most. And right now, in this moment, finally, those uh, demons are exercised, and it didn't end up really meaning much because the Bills still won the division, and the Bills still get the number two seed. And we'll talk about the Steelers here in in just a few minutes. But that game, and they fired Ken Dorsey. I was on the mindset at the time with Sean McDermott that Ken Dorsey was just a, a scapegoat. To some extent, to be fair, I still feel that. But 
And this is something, again, we've argued this many times. I've done it by myself. I've done it with other guests. I've done it with content creators, media people. The role of Josh Allen early in the season, I maintain and I will continue to maintain that it was Sean McDermott that really held back the reins of Josh Allen with his legs, not running the football in the first half of the season. And I think it's because of what we've seen over these last couple of weeks where Josh is running the ball. I think he ran the ball like 13 times today. The tush pushes, the scrambles, uh, the design draws up the middle. This is shit we didn't see early in the year. And I still don't think it was Ken Dorsey's fault. I think that's more um, Sean McDermott saying, listen, I want my quarterback fresher. I want to save him for the second half of the season, which in some ways, if that is Sean McDermott, that's quite brilliant, to be honest with you. But anyway, I just felt like that was a scapegoat move. Like Sean McDermott's coaching like shit. He's choking at the end of the games. Leading up to that point, if you remember, at the time, and even in the Philly game, actually, the New England game, the uh, the Denver game, the Philly game, the Bills offense would struggle at times, but they would score a touchdown inside of two minutes, get the Bills a lead, and then it would be the defense who blew it. So I just thought Sean McDermott was kind of throwing Ken Dorsey under the bus, kind of save his own ass a little bit. But turns out that was the right play. It was the right play. Um, Ken Dorsey struggled to get other elements of the offense going. Since Joe Brady took over, you know, still up and down with this offense, but the running game's been better. Uh, complimentary weapons have flourished more, unfortunately, to some extent, at the uh, expense of Stefan Diggs. But Joe Brady, all in all, has done a good job. And most importantly, I look back at that now, which I didn't at the time, but I think that was a spark. I think the Joe Brady, um, promotion offensive coordinator was the spark that they needed. And quite frankly, and I don't want to get into the details now. I know we all got our own opinions about the article. I do think that that article by Tyler Dunn, a Sean McDermott internally inside that locker room was a spark to this football team. And that's no diss towards my guy, Ty at all. I'm just saying that was um, a spark. Anyway, here's what I want to do. Again, I'm doing this on the fly. I'm going to take on the video side anyway, literally a two and a half to three second break. Come back and, and I'm going to catch you. I got some thoughts on Josh Allen, which, wait, man, you got the whole entire Josh Allen experience uh, today. But anyway, I'm going to come back on the other side and we're going to hit up Josh in the offense and what's going forward now with the Buffalo Bills in about literally just a couple seconds. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, I am back here going over some instant, in-the-moment live reactions. The Buffalo Bills defeat the Miami Dolphins 21-14 to to lock up the AFC East in Week 18. Lock up the number two seed Sunday, 1 p.m. Orchard Park against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We talked about in the first half of this about guys who stepped up some unexpected. Um, we're going to talk about the offense now because the defense – did what the defense had to do, which was a weird game, by the way, with the defense, because it's like nobody really stepped up in terms of Tua didn't get pressured a lot. I don't think he got sacked once for the entire game. He did throw two interceptions, though. I just felt like this defense was patient, um, kept guys in front of him, did a good job on Tyreek Hill. Although, to be fair, to be completely fair, Tyreek Hill, I think he had seven catches for 66 yards. He had a couple drops. He could have had a bigger day. He did score a touchdown, of course, but he had a couple drops. Could have had a, a bigger day. I think that ankle affected him a little bit. I think the injuries coming in to the game for Miami on offense affected them a lot, maybe. Um, Raheem Mostert, although George Wilson ran the ball very well. Um, Mostert hurt Jalen Waddle not being there. Hurt. So, I mean, Miami could... You know, if you're a Miami fan, you probably got a couple of excuses on offense. But my point is this, is the Bills didn't win tonight defensively because Ed Oliver and Leonard Floyd and Greg Rizzo were just smothering Tua all night. It wasn't like that. It was good pass defense, good coverage, patience, not letting guys get behind you for, for big plays, making them methodically go down the field, tackling very well. The Bills tackled, by the way, the Bills who have struggled this season tackling, I thought did a phenomenal job. And I could do an entire podcast, by the way, on how good I think Teron Johnson is. Teron Johnson, if he ain't the best slot corner in the NFL, he's got to be top three. He was fucking phenomenal tonight. A lot of guys were. In a weird way, though. Not in an individual dominating way. The Bills played great team defense uh, tonight. Offensively, look. Again, you look at the stats, and, and they sure as hell look impressive. Josh Allen, 30 of 38, 359 yards. That's a ton, man. Two touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, Josh Allen also ran for 67 yards. A couple of them were huge runs, too, uh, for Josh. Receivers got off. Khalil Shakir, fantastic. Six catches for 105 yards. He was phenomenal tonight. 
Uh, Stefan Diggs, seven catches for 87 yards. Could easily add over 150 yards in the first half. He's, he cooked Jalen Ramsey. And then Josh Allen just flat out overthrew Diggs on what would have been an 89-yard touchdown. But anyway, Delta Kincaid, the rookie, stepped up huge. Seven catches for 84 yards. Uh, mentioned Trent Sherfield earlier. Three catches, 24 yards. Dawson Knox, two catches for 22 yards and a touchdown. Anyway, the Bills generated 473 yards of offense. They controlled the clock for over 38 minutes. So the numbers look great. The Bills moved the ball uh, at will. Did Sam Martin even punt, by the way? I think he might have punted once. I don't have the stats in front of me. I know the Bills didn't punt a lot. They didn't. I don't think Sam Martin punted more than once, if he even did. But the problem with the Bills is a problem that we've seen far too much of this year. Again, you got the ultimate Josh Allen experience uh, tonight, which I suppose is good because there's been a handful of games where Josh Allen hasn't been an ultimate Josh Allen experience. It's just been Josh Allen's kind of sucked. I mean, let's be real here. And I think it's very fair to say that going into the locker room at halftime, you can make a reasonable case, despite the stats, that Josh Allen was one of the worst players on the field for the Buffalo Bills in the first half of this football game, just because of the mistakes. The mistakes overshadowed all the good he did. Their offensive miscues in the, in the first half were just incredible. A 12-play, 79-yard drive to start the game, and then Josh Allen, I, I believe it was third down under pressure, throws a pass. I think he thought Gabe Davis was going outside. Gabe cuts in. It's an interception in the end zone. So that ends a drive. Um, another drive, I think it might have been the second drive. Six plays, 54 yards, uh, an interception again. It was fourth and two on that one. And that was more frustrating than the first one because it was fourth and two. The Bills went for it, which, by the way, sidebar, let's give Sean McDermott some credit here. And when I referenced that Tyler Dunn article about McDermott gagging and, and choking and being conservative when the chips are, you know, all in, when you're all in, when the, when the games matter the most, which tonight certainly was one of those games, I think it's fair to say, and I think it's a fair criticism, that Sean McDermott is coaches most conservatively in these games and in these moments. That wasn't the case tonight. He went for it time and time again, including this here. I think they had the ball to 35, could have tried to get a long field goal, but he didn't. Go for it on fourth and two. Anyway, Josh Allen had Dalton Kincaid early in the play open. Did not, I don't know why he didn't throw it to him, but he didn't. Probably could have ran for it. He didn't. He held on to the ball longer and longer. Ultimately, uh, he threw another interception. So back-to-back -back interceptions for Josh there. Then, of course, at the very end of the first half, they go 10 plays, 73 yards. They got the ball at the 11-yard line, 11 seconds left. Josh under pressure again. Throws the ball underneath to Ty Johnson. Cutting inside, Ty Johnson gets hit at the one, and uh, that's the end of the half. Bills come away with nothing, which, again, going back to Sean McDermott here, called out Josh Allen on national TV, said you got to throw that ball in the end zone. He was right. Sean McDermott calling out Josh Allen at halftime, and maybe this is my take in the moment. Maybe when I sleep on it, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll change my mind. But right now, I feel like that was just Sean McDermott being pissed off at Josh. And in my opinion, at that moment, rightfully uh, called him out. Now, by the way, as it turns out, that was a, a blown call by the officials because Ty Johnson got hit in the head, back suffered a concussion, was out for the rest of the game. That should have been targeting on Miami. So that should have been at the one-yard line, an untimed play, and the Bills either try to score from the one or, or kick a field goal to get some points going into the locker room. But anyway, you had that. 
And then in the second half, uh, they had a 13-play, 49-yard drive that ended up with Christian Wilkins just cooking uh, the rookie Osiris Torrance, sacks Josh Allen, takes the ball right out of his hands while he's sacking him and falls to the ground. So, you know, Josh was single-handedly responsible uh, for three turnovers. And also, I referenced it earlier, Stefan Diggs just absolutely smoked Jalen Ramsey. I think that was on the second drive where Josh ended up throwing an interception on fourth and two. But anyway, you know, these people who who complain all the time that Stefan's not putting up numbers, well, he had seven for 87. And you add in the 89 yards, that should have been. Because, I mean, that was an easy touchdown if Josh doesn't overthrow him. Just like last week, Stefan Diggs had another easy touchdown and Josh overthrew him there as well. So anyway, you look at this offense and it's like, it's a mixed bag. You know, they move the ball well. Um, I don't want to say they, they only ran it effectively, actually, I, I think when Josh Allen was running the football. But they they spread the ball around. Again, Kincaid had a big game. Shakira had a big game. Stephon had seven catches. Shurfield had a couple of big catches. So they were spreading the ball around. He dumped it off to Cook a couple of times. Which, by the way, James Cook, he's frustrating. Look, I love some James Cook, man. I do. And he's put up some good numbers this year. I think he's, what, 30, finished third in the NFL in rushing? top five or top three, maybe in total yards from scrimmage, something like that. Statistically, he's put up a good season and he's had a lot of good plays, but he dropped another touchdown. This is the third drop touchdown he's had this season that I could think of. He dropped a touchdown against Dallas, although he was spectacular against Dallas, one AFC uh, Offensive Player of the Week, but he still dropped a touchdown. He dropped a touch, well, would have been a touchdown on that wheel route against Philly. And then he dropped a touchdown in this game. And that was a beautiful throw from Josh Allen, which again, when I say you get the whole Josh Allen experience, you really did because he did put up big numbers. He, he laid in a perfect pass, fading away to Stefan Diggs on a long play near the end of that half. That was a perfect pass to James Cook for what have been, it should have been a touchdown. Josh did a lot of great things, especially with his legs too. So it's like not Josh Allen and suck. I'm just saying Josh Allen washed away a lot of the good things he did because of the mistakes which cannot happen. But we keep saying that every week. Maybe it can happen. Because maybe at the end of the day, when we arrive you know, to the 2023 Buffalo Bills, this might be a team that could win just because of the defense. Even if Josh plays bad, it used to be, I used to feel this way anyway. I don't know about you guys, but the Bills are only going to win if Josh Allen plays at an MVP level. I remember saying that time and time and time and time again, last year and this year. But that's not really the case. Because the Bills are winning without Josh Allen playing even good sometimes. This defense is the reason why they beat Miami. This defense is the reason why, at least in part, why they just pounded Dallas. Their defense is certainly the reason why they escaped LA a couple weeks ago when they went over to Chargers. And I thought the defense probably is the primary reason why they beat the Patriots last week. So, I don't know. But anyway, back to James Cook. He does a lot of good things. I just, you can't trust him. You, you you just, you can't trust him. Maybe there's a reason why even in college, he was never a truly an elite back because he's making these mistakes. Then he makes some great plays. I don't know. I guess you just, you live and you die with it. Um, Leonard Fournette didn't do anything much, but it was notable that he played. Uh, Latavius Murray was inactive. Vaughn Miller was active. I don't know how many reps he got. Again, it's just minutes after the game here, but didn't do much. Um, so I don't know. At this point, give me Kingsley Jonathan because if you didn't get nothing from Vaughn tonight, when are you going to get it? I just feel like we're at that point with him. But anyway, 
end of the day, all that matters is the Bills win. Um, quickly here, then I got to get out. The Jacksonville game today, and this is where I realized that my uh, my fandom for the Bills, my anxiety for for football for the Buffalo Bills is on levels like nothing else. Like I'm a a lifelong Sabres fan, a lifelong Yankee fan, a lifelong Notre Dame fan. I love those teams. Those are my squads. But you know what? If those teams lose, I'm pissed off in the moment, and then I'm over it minutes later. Or if there's other teams that are playing that affect you know, the standings, I'll watch those games. I'll follow them and not get too bent out of shape over it. But starting some on Saturday night with the, with the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game, or Saturday late afternoon, I should say, I didn't watch the game. I was superstitious. I was just hoping things would go their way, but I didn't feel they were going to. I always felt all week long that Tennessee was the team that had a better chance to uh, to upset Jacksonville. And come Sunday, sure enough, one o'clock, I watched zero seconds of red zone. I watched zero seconds of that game. The first half, I would check. I was in my office here on my computer. I would check in on my Twitter from time to time, maybe jump on ESPN scoreboard, just kind of keeping track. Tennessee got off to a pretty good start. I just got nervous, just so much anxiety because I couldn't fathom uh, a scenario where Jacksonville wins that game and then the Bills lose and the Bills miss out on the playoffs entirely. I was so, I was horrified that that was going to happen. Anyway, I put on the series on Netflix called Laudermilk. It's three seasons. I don't remember the guy's name, but he's the dude from Office Space. Um, I By the way, 30 episodes. Three seasons ended in 2020, which I didn't know when I started it, but uh, I binged them all Saturday and Sunday. I went in my room anyway. The second, so Tennessee is up. It was um, it was a 15 point game, so it was 28 13. Then in the very first play or first minute or so of the, of the fourth quarter, Jacksonville scores a touchdown. It's 28 20. I saw it. Like I walked outside. Like I do have the red zone on in my living room. Saw the touchdown. I'm like, fuck this, man. Went and took my phone because I knew people would be texting me and stuff was going on. I took my phone, turned it on silent, left it on my desk, left my uh, office here, went in my bedroom, shut the door, warned my son who was watching some football while he was doing other stuff to not tell me shit. Went in my room, rolled off three episodes of Laudermilk knowing that the game would be over, walked into my office, refused to look at my phone, didn't want to look at Twitter, Facebook, went right to ESPN.com, checked the score and saw that Tennessee won the game and I've just started fist pumping. I don't think I've ever been so happy for a non-Bills, non-Buffalo sports result uh, in my life. Because then I spent the next several hours telling myself, all right, I'm going to be able to enjoy this Bills-Miami game now because I know no matter what, the Bills are going to be in the playoffs. This is what I told myself. That lasted about 45 fucking seconds into the Miami game. I think it lasted until Josh Allen's first interception. Yeah. I was pretty excited because Miami got the ball first, right? Yeah, they did. And Bedford had an interception on the first drive. Then the Bills couldn't cash in. From that point on, anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. Because I, I realized winning this game did matter. And I know there's a lot of people out there who just, you know, they feel like the Bills just get in the playoffs. They can beat anybody. And that's true. But don't sit there and tell me that you would have rather went to Miami the next week as opposed to playing Pittsburgh at home because you're crazy. You're crazy. And again, I don't want to be too disrespectful to any playoff opponent. And we'll start to set this all up over the next couple of days here on Talking Buffalo. But man, man, oh man, there's a big difference between me and home and playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm sorry. No disrespect to 
to Steeler fans out there. I know they're a tough-ass team. I know Mike Tomlin is a great coach. 17 years, they've never even had a losing season under him. I, that, they're a legit football team. I get that. They got really good running backs. They got some good weapons at receiver. I get all that. But at the end of the day, Mason Rudolph, man. Mason Rudolph is the quarterback, and T.J. Watt got hurt. T.J. Watt had, a, I think his brother said, a grade two or some MCL sprain. T.J. Watt ain't playing this week. I'm not scared of the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. I'm going to worry about them. I'll give them some props. I'll give them some respect. But come on, that's who I wanted. That's who I wanted. And I think this weekend worked out perfect because it, it turns out if Jacksonville would have won, it wouldn't matter because the Bills handled their own business anyway. But if Jacksonville wins, then they're playing Houston. And I'm going to tell you, man, Houston of the two, maybe I hopefully you will never feel like an idiot for saying this, but of the two, Houston concerns me more than Pittsburgh just because there feels like there's so much more unknown with Houston. They got a rookie quarterback who's very dangerous. He could put up huge numbers. He could beat you. And they got a rookie coach. I, I love D'Amico Ryans. I like Houston. I think they're a really good team. Everyone's just assuming that Cleveland's going to go into Houston this week and beat them. I'm not even close to being there. But I feel good. Again, without getting too much into a game, not getting too far ahead of ourselves here, I feel really good about Buffalo being at home against Pittsburgh. And if you're out there and you're still watching or listening to the show right now, and you're still not quite understanding what the scenario is, I'll lay it out for you real quick here. The Bills are playing the Steelers at 1 o'clock on Sunday. By the time the Bills play that game, I mean, if they lose, it's over. It doesn't freaking matter. But if the Bills win, if they handle their business at home against the seventh seed Pittsburgh Steelers here, one or two things are going to happen. Saturday night, Miami is going to Kansas City. If the Chiefs win at home, Kansas City comes to Buffalo in the divisional round. If Miami goes to Kansas City and beats them, which is certainly possible, the way the Chiefs' offense has looked this season, it is not out of the realm whatsoever that Miami could go and beat Kansas City. Anyway, if Miami, who's now the sixth seed, goes to Kansas City and Miami wins, that means in the divisional round, round two, the Bills would host the winner of the uh, Cleveland Browns Houston game. So there is a realistic path right now. And this is why I was so hell bent on the Bills winning today. And it might not, we'll, we'll see how things go. But the path now, as things stand, is the Pittsburgh Steelers and potentially either the Houston Texans or the Cleveland Browns to get yourself into an AFC championship game. Now, if it goes the other way, and of course, based on Buffalo beating Pittsburgh, and if Kansas City beats Miami, I mean, Miami is going to be going to, I think they said on the, the broadcast on Sunday night that the, the weather's going to be in the 10s in Kansas City. That ain't going to be a lot of fun. Plus, they are completely decimated. I mean, more guys got hurt from Miami tonight. They are so thin, especially on the defensive line. So maybe this is the game Pat Mahomes gets his shit together and the offense gets their shit together. But anyway, if Kansas City wins, they go to Buffalo. If that happens, and if Cleveland can be Houston, tell you, Baltimore is a team that is, I mean, they're a great team. They're, they're number one seed for a reason. But I feel like Cleveland's the kind of team that could go into Baltimore and beat them. Anyway, if Baltimore were to trip and fall and lose to whether it's Miami, which, by the way, if Miami 
were to beat, and I'm going to be rooting for Miami over Kansas City. I want to throw that out there too for two reasons. Number one, I'm rooting for Miami over Kansas City next Saturday night because if the Bills, again, I am keep going back to the premise, the same premise that the Bills are going to beat the Steelers. But if the Bills beat the Steelers and Miami wins, again, you got either Cleveland and Joe Flacco or Houston, Texas, and a rookie quarterback coming to Buffalo in a divisional round. Plus, if Miami could get by Kansas City, even though they got shellacked two weeks ago, Miami could go to Baltimore and beat the Ravens. Or maybe not. I don't know. Based on two weeks ago, probably not. So maybe I want to walk that back a little bit. Maybe I feel a little more confident in my assertion that Cleveland, if they could beat Houston, can certainly go into Baltimore and beat their divisional rival. Anyway, my point is this. It's feasible as good as Baltimore is, and Baltimore can absolutely win the AFC. But Baltimore can also lose at home in the divisional round, which, of course, if the Bills kept winning, would mean that the AFC championship would go through uh, Orchard Park. Look, folks, all I know is that things are a lot different right now than they felt maybe eight hours ago, or at least when we all woke up on Sunday. A lot of anxiety, a lot of unknown. Is Jacksonville going to beat Tennessee? Are the Bills going to be able to handle business? Turns out things went about, it was stressful, stressful along the way, but things turned out as good as you can realistically hope for if you're a Buffalo Bills fan. Uh, one last point to touch on that we really didn't talk about too much here. A couple injuries for the Bills. Like I said, Ty Johnson got hurt on the last play before the half. Concussion. Um, Russell Douglas and knee. I don't, I don't know how I should feel about Russell Douglas because he didn't play. And there's a part of me that wants to say right now, and we'll see as the week goes on. But the fact that he was still in full uniform on the sidelines in the second half, that tells me that maybe they, they went with Dane Jackson. will turn out to be a great move because, again, Dane came up huge. But if one of them went down, Russell Douglas was still in uniform to potentially be able to go back in the game. At least that would have been a possibility. I feel like if he was out, out, probably would have been in street calls like Gabe Davis was. Gabe Davis suffered a non-contact knee injury. We'll find out the extent um, later on. Which, by the way, I, I went live before Sean McDermott and players even spoke to the media, so I don't really have any updates on that as we're recording this. But Gabe Davis, non-contact injury, didn't even have a shit on for the second half. That tells me that his injury might be uh, significant. And then who was the other one? Oh, Tyrell Dotson. Went out, like I said, with a, a shoulder in the first half. I thought Baylor Spector did a really good job stepping up in his place. We'll see how that plays out. Tyrell Dodson, I'm not a big fan of his. I haven't been. I've kind of been critical of him. That said, he's played some pretty damn good football here uh, for the Bills this season. One last point I'm going to make. Gabe Davis, I, I look, I, he's he's like low-hanging fruit at this point. He has a couple, you know, a big game once a month and does nothing and disappears. I get it. It seems like him and Josh just don't seem to be on the same page. But I'm a Gabe, I'm a Gabe guy, and I still feel like if he's healthy anyway, that there could be a game where you're going to need some Gabe Davis plays to win, to, to advance in the playoffs. But I'm going to tell you what, I kind of like this offense with Trent Shurfield out there. The Bills side Trent Shurfield, and a lot of people, including myself, were kind of high on that. That was like a nice little low-key signing that this guy just lacked opportunity. And he got some opportunity here tonight in the biggest game of the season, and he showed that he's capable of making a couple plays. So that's huge. So I don't know what the extent of Gabe Davis's injury is, but I'm rather confident in Trent Shurfield. In fact, there's a part of me that says maybe this offense in some ways might even be a little bit better if it's Trent Shurfield uh, out there. But anyway, 
for all the people who commented, normally I put these up there and, I, and again, I really apologize. And I'm talking about the video side here. Somebody on the audio side, what the hell are you talking about here? But I didn't get to get to any comments because I just wanted to get through this stuff and uh, set you up for the rest of the week. I do appreciate you guys who comment and watch these live shows. Speaking of, I will be back live again on Monday night, 9 p.m. on my man Tone Pucks. Like I said, we'll have a lot more notes, a lot more thoughts after sleeping on some things overnight, after watching some highlights, maybe even some film throughout the day on Monday before we converge on our Monday night. So we'll kind of put a bow on this game and then immediately start to, to get in playoff mode because fortunately the Buffalo Bills are in the playoffs one more time here. AFC East divisional champs, which if you think of that Philly game in six and six and all the shit that happened in the bye week after that just kind of almost blows your mind. Almost blows your mind. But anyway, thank you very much for watching. I will be back with a brand new episode tomorrow. Take care.